Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, and welcome to episode 141 of Dude and the Monkey. As always, my name is Ian Loring, and as always, I am joined by... Matt Foster. Hello, everybody. Yes. So, um, first off, I hope the I hope this sounds all right. Uh, I'm recording it on a, a MacBook I just got, so if it's if it doesn't sound good, I'd appreciate the feedback. If I've got to go back to using my Windows PC, I suppose I'll have to. Won't be very happy about it, but I'll do it <laughs> if I have to. Um, so yeah, coming up this week, we've got three main reviews. Um, we're going to be tackling the new David O. Russell, uh, Jennifer Lawrence joint, their third together. Uh, that's Joy. Uh, the very starry, very male Adam McKay, uh, dramedy, The Big Short. And the very starry, very pedophile uh, investigative journalist thriller Spotlight. Um, so quite a lot of stuff. If we've got any time after, we'll go into some what we watched because, <clears throat> pardon me, it sounds like we've both had quite a busy film watching week. But um, yeah, before we get started, Mark, anything you want to uh, get off your chest or discuss at all? Uh, <coughs> excuse me, because <laughs> that coffee. Uh, well, it's been a fairly <coughs> quiet week with the new year and everything. I think it's everything seems to have settled down a little bit um, in the film world before like the big kind of mean it's the Globes for next week, I think, aren't they? And it's uh, Sunday. Right, yeah. And that kind of kicks off awards season, so then we get into all of, all of those, you know, culminating at the end of uh, February with, uh, with with the Oscars, I suppose, yeah. Indeed, yeah. Um, how's how's the flooding? Is it uh, calm uh, down? It's pretty much abated around here, to be honest. It's, uh, I mean, it, it, it's not helping the fact that it's been pissing it down all day today, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty much gone down around York. It's not too bad. It's quite strange though the um, the street that, that, that our that the street I'm on now backs onto uh, one called uh, Huntington Road. It's quite a long street and stretches right the way down towards into town. And as you get further into town, near where the the flooding was, there is currently just skips, and I mean skips like about 15, 20 skips just lying on the edge of the streets that the, the council just put there. And they're just full. And you kind of look at it and go, shit, this is, this is people's stuff that's just there. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's quite weird and kind of strange, you know, that that is two, three minutes away from where I live. Um, and, you know, I know I've got friends who, who have kind of lost like the, the entire contents of, of, of the downstairs of their house. It's, 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 it's been a, a really strange kind of few weeks around York. Everyone's kind of sort of getting. It's amazing how things kind of start getting back to back to normal really quickly. That is fucked. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and you you've joined the wonderful world of Mac ownership, haven't you? Yeah, man. My transition from Android to Apple is fully bloody complete. Uh, <laughs> I got I, I I got quite a good offer through my through my workplace. We get like discounts and stuff with and I. Uh, I got a MacBook Pro at Curry's um, at, at the moment in Argos. They're they're on sale for a grand. Um, I got one through Curry's for eight hundred and thirty-seven. That's not so, so. You know, yeah, there's Apple tax like a mother um, <laughs> generally, but it's going to be good for my editing and my writing and whatnot. And I I already have an idea of what my bonus is going to be in April, so a large chunk of this is being paid for by that. So I'm not feeling bad about it at all, you know. So it's and also part of my Blu-ray selling as well. Which, by the way, I put up a Google Docs list the other day, but now I'm just sticking them on eBay. 
Um, so if anybody wants some like bargains, feel free. My eBay like seller name's Ian Loring, all one word. So uh, I'm kind of adding shit to that quite a lot at the moment. So if anybody's interested, yeah, we've we've just had the we've properly moved out at to sort of um, essentially be completely out of our other house. Uh, we'd already moved out, but we decided that to sort out um, by obviously the first of, of, of January. Um, and I've been going through um, my DVDs because um, they're, they're in the what will become my office. Um, and I've decided it's better, I'm going to get rid of my, my uh, the DVDs because essentially they're space keepers, they're nostalgic space keepers that I'm not going to watch anymore. So I've gone through it um, and I'm going through each individual one because there's some there that uh, don't have boxes, they're just boxes that there's no DVD in that have, have got lost along the way. Or there's ones where I've got, I think it's like a stack of DVDs um, where they've got taken out of boxes by various people and things. Um, I've got to then put back into the boxes and I've got, I've decided there are a few that I'm just going to keep, to be honest, because there's a few there that, that you can't get on, on Blu-ray or you can't get um, on, on iTunes that, I, that currently I want to go, well, do you know what? I still don't have the ability to watch that if I want to watch it. For instance, Bloody Mama's not available on um on Blu-ray or as a HD copy, uh, 1900, um, the the full full six and a half hours director's cut isn't available on that, so I'm keeping those. I've got a few that I'm keeping, uh, and I'm going through and putting, getting all the ones that are still in cellophane, um, and putting them to one side, and they're going to go on eBay, and then the other ones I'm just going to car boot um, and just sell them for whatever. Um, I've got through maybe a third is what I'd say, maybe a push, maybe a quarter, a third. Um, and I've got about 60 or 70 so far that are still in their cellophane. Bloody hell. I know. Um, and I've got like four or five boxes um, that where there's like nearly 100 in each uh, or over 100 in each um, so far that are good to kind of go to the, uh, what's it, and I've got maybe 20 that I want to keep. So far, so it's, it's it's a strange cathartic experience, really. To be honest, you look at it going, you know, this is this is like ten years of collecting, um, and you know, it, it's it's unreal. And then you look at some of it and go, why the hell do I own that? Yeah. <laughs> why do I own Ben Affleck's Man About Town? Nice. <laughs> yeah, there is there's some. I, I, I was I was tempted to sort of pick out kind of the worst. Uh, I kind of just look at them and go, maybe I should keep these. Maybe I should keep like the worst ten as like a reminder, <laughs> <laughs> as, as like a hey, hey, remember when you bought this? And, and, and just just have those. And there's something I look at and go, I don't know what that is. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's it's, it's a strange experience. I'm kind of enjoying it, but now um, the office is full of stuff at the moment, so I need to clear a bit of stuff to get to get back in there to actually start doing it. But then I'm back at work tomorrow, so. Fucking Christ knows when I get time to do that. Oh, don't remind me. I mean, I've been at work over Christmas. I was going to say, you, you, you've already been back, haven't you? Yeah, it's because I'm not going to get into it, but I'm expecting a lot of pissed off people on the phone tomorrow, and I'm really not looking forward to it. But, and there's a train strike here tomorrow, so I've got to fucking drive into Cardiff City Centre on the first Monday back after everybody's back from Christmas and New Year. Uh, Fuck you, Ariba Trains Wales drivers. Your wages start at the mid thirty grand a year. Fuck you. That's not cool. Just I, I, anyway, 
<laughs> it, it, I, yeah. Anyway. Um, right. So, uh, it's trailers at all? No. Haven't watched anything. Uh, done a quick check to see if there was anything, and there wasn't really, to be honest. It, it's everything has just gone quiet, I think. Um, for New Year, including like I was, I was coming to you. Uh, the iTunes uh, star hasn't changed its fucking header page um, for like two weeks. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. It fucking better do. Tomorrow evening, it'll be there. Don't worry. Um, okay, so let's start then. So uh, should we start with Joy? Yeah, why not? Why not? It's the, it's the one that's freshest in the memory. Yeah, yeah, no, same actually. So this is directed by David O. Russell and stars Jennifer Lawrence, Bradley Cooper, Edgar Ramirez. Uh, Robert De- uh, Robert De Niro. Did I say that? No, Bradley Cooper. Yeah. I don't know. I said both of them now. Uh, Diane Ladd, Virginia Madsen. Quite a massive cast, really. Um, story of uh, Joy Manganiello. Magana. Yeah. Okay. The inventor of the Wonder Mop, I believe it was called. Who has a rather dysfunctional family life? Her um, ex-husband, played by Edgar Ramirez, lives downstairs in the basement. Uh, De Niro plays her father, who kind of moves back in with her. Oh, and Isabella Rossellini's in it actually. Um, yeah. Um, Robert Downey, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert De Niro starts a relationship with Isabella Rossellini. Um, Joy, through somehow not. After watching the film, I'm still not entirely sure what the moment of inspiration was, but it comes up with the idea of the, the Wonder Mop. Um, she um, cuts her hand clean up glass. Oh, that's it, yeah. And then somehow thinks that wrapping 30 feet of cotton round a thing is the way to solve it. This was this was the mop was invented, and I, I, did, I did some sort of I did look at this afterwards. The mop was invented before uh, we had uh, mops were available. You know where you could actually squeeze them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was like, the first, like one that you could kind of ring or like by like just pushing something. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a biopic about a mop inventor. Um, but I, so it's kind of crazy that David O. Russell and Jennifer Lawrence were kind of attracted to that kind of project. But um, I, I mean, Mark, what did you think of Joy? It's a very strange one. Um, I mean, I I really liked uh, Silverline's playbook, um, and I I liked American Hustle for the fact that it, it, it was just stupid. Um, and, and I enjoyed how, how goofy that film was. Yeah, in, in I, I don't. I don't know whether it was supposed to be or whether or not uh, Russell knew it was or intended it to be, but I I liked it. Like you say, it's complete utter popcorniness. Joy seems like a film that 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 was conceived. The idea was there, and then he started making it, and he wasn't quite sure that there was enough there, but kind of got carried away with it, and then ended up with a lot of film and then not couldn't work out how to get it together so kind of threw it together and then it got released and it, it feels a little bit kind of it feels like it could be half an hour shorter and be better or half an hour longer and be better um it's not that i didn't like it there are some great bits in it it, it felt really undercooked that's exactly the word that is exactly the word it's it's so weird. It kind of it feels like if it had another couple of months in the edit, they might have they you might have had an appreciably better film. But they needed to get it in 
so that it was out before the end of the year for awards consideration. So it, it felt like this was a rough draft of a, of a finished product that should have been a lot better. Um, and yeah, it's, it's kind of tonally all over the place. Like the first 20, 30 minutes or so is quite manic and, you know, it, it, almost kind of like goofy comedy. And then by the end, it's basically a, a kind of a, a, a heart string tugging tale of a woman triumphing over adversity almost single handedly. Yeah, uh, and then it kind of turns into a bizarre homage to the Godfather at the end. Yeah, it, yes, it did. Absolutely. It was, it was, it does. I was sort of thinking towards the end, I was thinking, why, why uh, is, is she in Don Carleone's office? <laughs> like, it's almost like, it's talking about what happens in the future, but it's almost as if it's in someone's imagination. It feels very stagey. A lot of the film feels like that. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I mean, it just, it feels like a film with a bunch of individual moments kind of mushed together. And it's, but it's all anchored by Lawrence, who is in like almost every scene. Yes. And just manages to just through force of will alone kind of make the film just about good enough. Yeah, because you, you've got some some quite bizarre kind of performances sort of around her. It does seem like almost like David O. Russell has maybe told every single actor in it that they're in a different type of film <laughs> just to see what happens. Well, yeah, no, quite. I mean, you've got Edgar Ramirez basically playing kind of loyal, sturdy guy in the background, you know, and there's there's not much more to him. And then Bradley Cooper is the, I don't know, like they're actually quite well-meaning TV producer who seems to have an obsession with name-checking film producers of the past. <laughs> um, that seemed to be his, like, USP. Um it was almost like Cooper and O'Russell were just thinking of like some sort of tick that his character can have that they can frame it on. And it's like he can bring up David Selznick constantly and fit like things like that. And it's just like, yeah, run with it. Um, yeah. I mean, like De Niro, I mean, this, like De Niro's character. I never really got the sense, the sense of whether he really truly did love his daughter or whether he was bizarrely trying to fuck her over or something. I, 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 I don't know, like, there's the scene towards the end where it looks like all hope is gone and every, and everybody's just like, right, you've got to file for bankruptcy, that's it, it's absolutely over. And they all just walk out on it, on the honour. And when you say something stagey, I mean, that is ridiculous. That It's really manipulative, just like... She's truly on her own. Literally everybody in her life at this moment has walked out on her. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. It feels like it's tugging it a load of different directions. It doesn't really know what it wants to do or what it wants to be. And like you say, if it was 90 minutes in and out, quite snappy, fair enough. If it was two and a half hours and really got into the meat of joy's motivations and her relationship with her dad and her relationship with her uh, with her ex and all that kind of stuff then it could have been something as well but it almost feels like a cliff notes story of a powerful woman and i 
I never really got the the transition from like housewife who hasn't been able to make a thing of herself to Don Corleone. Yes. Like it, it just it it doesn't the the it, 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 the the story of the film and the scenes in it don't make that tra- that transition feel particularly well done. Apart from the fact that it's Jennifer Lawrence in the lead, so you can see her playing both. So it's almost through osmosis. Oh, it's Jennifer Lawrence. Oh yeah, I could believe she could be soft or hard as nails. The lead is appropriate. Exactly. It does it it. Where I, I keep coming back to the idea of, of the fact that it's like you say, it, it, it feels more like a series of of little vignettes about the same thing, strung together to make to make a film, and it it, it it's a little bit of forced quirk within it uh, that seems to be that seems to be there. It, it, it can be a little bit. I mean. He's very much a Marmite kind of director, David O. Russell. You know, you either you really get on board with this stuff or, or it just kind of it, it, it moves past you, to be honest. He's an, he's an, I think he can be a director where it could be quite easy to kind of dislike him. But it, it seems like, you know, with his past sort of few films, um, so the, the fight and the film, they were all aiming for something. But this is it's kind of, he's gone more back to his I Heart Huckabee kind of phase uh, where... He wants it to be overtly quirky at, at, at points, but the story doesn't kind of lend itself to that because he'll he, throw you from a quirk of Virginia Madsen, um, you know, not being able to get off her bed and she wants to just watch her shows. That to, you know, you, you having to look at this person as, as she's the one that everybody turns to and everybody's going at her with stuff and she just kind of wants to just have a minute. Uh, it, it feels a little bit incongruous to itself, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to like rag on the fact that it's a story of a successful woman kind of doing things independently and for herself and whatnot. It just it, the the film. I didn't, I didn't really get that transition. It, it, it's it's suddenly everybody leaves her, and then she's like, right, I'm doing this, and then she basically wins the day. And I, I just, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Like that, that last scene really bothered me as well. And I, I, just the, the whole Don Corleone kind of thing of it, of how everybody's still there, and you know, the whole. Like an to you. Sorry. I feel like an add-on to you. Like the perfect time to end it is as she's walking out what? and she puts the glasses on. Oh. There, it should have gone black joy. And then. Do like I don't know. Do a title card or something saying from here, Joy was at. Um, a joy made blah 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 and was able to become one of the most successful business women in America. Done. Hmm. You don't need the Bradley Cooper coming back in and referencing back that even if we're in competition, we'll remain friends thing. Which I mean, what did that actually do at the end? What point did that serve? Exactly, especially as you know, I mean, this is very, very, very loosely uh, a true story. It's taking inspiration of a person rather than the actual story of the person. But uh, Bradley Cooper's character is completely invented, you know, to the point of where his character was invented to give Bradley Cooper a role in the film. No, no, quite. I, I just, it's such, it's such a weird, I'd say a missed opportunity, but like you say, the story itself doesn't feel like a particularly remarkable. Do you know what's a, do you know what'd be a more interesting one? 
what what would have been so much more interesting because what what they've set out to do here or or set out to do here is to tell the story of a it's a very uh, a feminist attack of a movie which is I don't have a problem with so everyone yeah. looks like your panties and what about that I don't have an issue with that but for a start it shouldn't be the, the sole focus of the film but if it is fine but do you know what would be more interesting it starts off the thing I think by saying this is dedicated to strong women everywhere and based on store, on all stories of strong women and this is one of them do you know what would be more interesting if they'd have looked at it and gone right let's not take one let's take three four five stories of of this type of thing that we want, where a woman is, is taken on, taking things on, and taking things on herself, and, and everything's been done there. If that's the kind of idea you're going for, which is what Joy is, the, the idea is going for, and do through an anthology, same actors, and go, there we go, we're going to do the same actors, and we're going to tell these four or five stories. You know, fuck it. You know, this movie costs $60 million. Where did that go if it didn't go to the actors? So there you go. Do that because that's more interesting than quite literally trying to squeeze every single drop of of story you can get out of this one story. And then when you realise, oh, right, we haven't actually got that much story. Let's just pour a load more story on top of it because why not? Yeah, sure. The thing is, I didn't dislike the movie. There's some really, there's some... Really nice scenes. It's well acted. Um, I mean, fuck. I don't know what type of movie um, he told Elizabeth Rossellini um, she was in. Because she was just bizarre. She's a strange person anyhow. But she she just seemed a little bit... A little bit like everyone would turn on and go, what's going on here then? (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. I, I... I don't know. I, I, I don't really have much more to say about it, to be honest. It, it just, it, I mean, the story itself, I mean, it is, I, I mean, again, I'm not trying to disparage it. It kind of sounded like I was there and that wasn't, that wasn't really my point. I mean, it is, a, it is an interesting story. It's just, it's not a particularly cinematic one. No. And it is, I, I mean, maybe the kind of the quirk is put in there because they've got to try and find a way of doing the story that makes it feel cinematic but i don't know it, it it just it it kind of slightly falls falls apart to nothing by by the end of it really well, um Bex said it lost a half a star for her um because it had um it had an angsty woman cuts off her hair in despair scene sure and yeah. she said yeah and, and her, her reaction to it when that happened was really Cutting off her hair in angst. Really, are we having that? Yes, because that's what that's what all us women do when things aren't going our way. We go in the bathroom, we stare at a mirror, and we cut off our hair. Yeah, no, well, I mean that's a good point. I, I, and, I mean, Becky, Becky's not one of those. The, the, you know, she's all for for that. What feminism is is about, as I'm, as we both are. Um, but she's very much a. She gets quite prickly around the idea of it, um, to be honest. Uh, so that that kind of bothered her a little bit in this. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, no, totally. Um, that's a good point, actually. I hadn't thought of that, but 
I, I, I don't know. It just it was what it was. I know it drove Noel at the wall. This yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I could see why it would do. To be honest, yeah, I, I, it, it is, it is an acquired taste. It's the most acquired taste film that David O. Russell's done in a decade. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd say that. Yeah. You know, I mean, like American Hustle is basically just lifting from loads of other films and Silver Linings Playbook, I think, is pretty mainstream, you know. So I think you and The Fighter as well. I think you've really have got to go back to I Heart Huckabees for a sense of if it, it, it does. I Heart Huckabees. But I mean, it does. This does feel like a film that a former Enfant Terrible would make now he's more respected. Yeah, and it, it feels like to me. Go on. It feels a, a little bit like a film that uh, wouldn't have got made had it not been done by the production company that made it. Oh no, no, totally. I mean, nobody Megan, else other other than Megan Ellison would have given him sixty million dollars to do this movie, and that's no, because she's just got a lot of money. Yeah, no, I mean, like, which is fine because she gave us the master. Um, uh, her, you know. Th- she, she, she's throwing money at interesting looking movies and fucking yeah, why not is, is doing more for a, a smart mainstream American cinema than pretty much any other person in Hollywood today absolutely yeah that that is that without question isn't a, a criticism she quite simply is going do you know what I, I want my production company to make movies that I would want that I would want to watch so I'm going to give the filmmakers that I want to watch film films of the money to do it and if we have a hit every now and again brilliant if we don't then fuck it i can absorb that yeah i just i i would i, I would like to have seen what would have happened if they pushed this film to next award season and just had it i would like to, way longer i'd like to if 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 russell hadn't chased that the award season thing and it just been released in like a in may or something like that and just had taken that on rather than rather than d- d- chasing that award season thing. Yeah, and I mean, like, in the end of the day, the only thing I can see this film really getting is maybe a nomination for Lawrence. I think it, it, it probably will get a nomination. It, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it probably will, but I don't know. That that's all. It it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like the type of film that would get nominated for Best Picture. It's not particularly rousing. Um, and it's not even it's not even like particularly manipulative in the way that, say, like Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close was. Yeah. I mean, that thing got nominated for Best Picture. Yes. That's mental. It, it is, because quite literally, eight people in the world have seen it and nobody even remembers it exists. I, I'm one of them. I have, I have seen it, yes. And it's, you know what? It's not a very good film. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it feels like, maybe it was, but it kind of feels like the type of film that you too would contribute a tune to. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that that's the thing. Russell's developing a bit of an affectation here where he's partially, he's wanting to be thought of like um, Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson, whilst also at the same time wanting to be Steven Soderbergh. And, and, and that's the kind of where he's mixed in between. So he wants to approach film like Soderbergh, but he also wants it to have a killer soundtrack like Tarantino, but he wants to be an auteur like Paul Thomas Anderson. And it ends up being a little bit like, it, sometimes it works really well, and other times you get joint. 
which has not been a bad film because he's a good director and it's a good cast, but it ends up in a little bit like, what, I've watched that again? Yeah. It's it's a three out of five, you know. It, it is, yeah. It's You can't say it's a bad film. You can easily say you'll never, ever watch it again. Exactly, yeah. Done. Definitely, definitely not shit. Definitely not shit, no. But, like, it's not a very inspired definitely not shit. No, it, absolutely not, no. Okay, what do you want to do next? Let's do spotlight. Let, 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 let's let's let, let's go heavy and then we can go light again after that. Good. Okay. So, uh, directed by Tom McCarthy. Spotlight stars uh, Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Billy Crudup, the bloke with the mustache who I didn't recognise and was like the only person in the main cast I didn't recognise. Uh, John Slattery. Um, I feel like I'm missing someone important. Stanley Tucci. Uh, Lee Schreiber. Have you done Lee Schreiber? I was the, that's the badger. Um, okay, so this is uh, looking at the Boston Globe's investigation into the um, massive scandal of paedophiles, basically in the US and worldwide, but focusing on Boston in the uh, late noughties. Um, Lee Schreiber is a new editor of the Boston Globe who comes in and... Um, asks uh, a t- like a sub team the spotlight team within the paper uh, which is kind of headed up by uh, Michael Keaton to look into it and uh, they uncover mass abuse on almost kind of industrial scale and uh, a, a kind of a conformity with lawyers who basically make money from arranging like payments to victims essentially um, so it's really horrible stuff. Really, really horrible stuff. Um, shall I say what I thought first? You go first, Sam, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, Spotlight, it's been getting a lot of Oscar buzz, and it's easy to see why, and I think it, it's it's pretty pretty justified for me. Um, I, I th- It might just be because this was based on true events, but I was slightly taken aback by how little response the church had in it and because of that it doesn't feel like there's particularly high stakes yeah i think what it is the stakes that were high you would assume would be from the church but they're not they're from the communities that they live in 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 boston that's where the the kind of the the, the threat is um and because it, it was um they were doing everything under kind of like uh, I, I read an interview with with, with Walter uh, Robinson, um, Michael Keaton's character, the real guy, and he said that the, the thing was is the church were being really quite either closed off or quite relaxed towards towards us. So but we we weren't really worried about that. What we were worried about is the fact that the community is, is a very Catholic place. It, it, it's Boston, so you know. We could be quite literally ostracised and lose our careers um, because it's because it's telling the truth. He said, but the thing was, only a small amount of people knew that we were doing this, so it, it was it was strange because no, you're not you're not feeling that. What you're worried about is what will happen after the story comes out, not while you're investigating the story. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, that's fair enough. I mean, I suppose. I don't know, just the, the, the kind of the, the, the almost banality with which 
like certain parties react to it. Like Billy Crudup, I really liked what they did with Billy Crudup here. It was slightly manipulative, but it worked. Where he's kind of introduced as the sleazy lawyer. Yes. And in the trailer, he's like the sleazy lawyer. And there's like the a key moment in the trailer where I think it's Keaton says like, which side of the story do you want to be on? And it's like, and, and, you know, but in the film itself, spoilers, you know, Crudup's just like, look, I gave you this information years ago and you didn't do anything with it. Which is, which I thought was, was, was great for the trailer because it, 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 I, I, I kind of, you, you know, I knew the story a little bit uh, going in, but I didn't know the intricate details of it. And then when that dropped and he says, I gave this information, you know, years ago, and you chose to do nothing with it. And he says directly, you chose to do nothing with it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you don't know that he's saying it directly to, to Michael Keaton. You think he's saying it to the Boston Globe. Yeah, totally. And at, at that moment, you kind of go, oh, shit. So he's not, he, he, he's, he's, he is a bad guy, but he's not that type of bad guy. He's just a, look, what, yeah, well, you know, fuck it. Yeah, I've made a lot of money on it, but but I tried, and it didn't work. I'm not going to go fucking chasing this and lose my career for it. Uh, I mean, there's that scene later on as well where um, uh, Keaton again goes to um, his his friend, his lawyer friend's house, mm. and like he's just like, "Get out of my house!" And then two minutes later, walks up to him in the street, and and, and just says, "Right, give me the list," and just circles all the names. And like, I like. The fact that it's not, I mean, I'm, I was talking about it as a negative, but the more I'm talking about on, on it, I'm thinking maybe not. Like the fact that all this stuff feels like it could well have happened. There aren't any kind of invented no. scenarios. It feels very straight. And the fact that the church didn't really put up any blocks to it. And, you know, when the lawyers, are, 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 when the lawyers are kind of found out, they are just straight away just like, right, fine. Yeah. You know, the fact that, but then the whole, I, I like that they turn it against the spotlight people and they're just like, look, everybody knew about it. Why, you know, you're saying to me, why didn't you do anything about this? Well, why didn't you do anything about this? You know, like, why didn't you guys look into this before? And it's, I, I like that it is damning in that way as well. I mean, Jesus, my family said, I asked what you thought about it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought it, it's, it's a really well um, well made film, a really well balanced film, a really well done film. In the fact that what it, what it's not interested in doing is telling um, a dramatization story. What it wants to do is it wants to tell you the story, and it isn't going to go for. It, it, it's basically saying, you know, look, we don't need to dramatize this story. What's what has gone on is fucking heavy enough without us trying to put any kind of added flair to it or added sort of weight onto it. You know, this is a story about a bunch of journalists, proper journalists, who investigated, started investigating one thing and ended up unveiling and sort of, I suppose, starting the ball rolling on an unprecedented scale how um, the Catholic Church had covered up uh, sex scandals for decades, and how so many people knew about it, that it basically goes, do you know what? There's your fucking drama. If you want added drama, you're not going to get it here. 
we're going to give you the facts. And that's what I like to play was the fact that it is quite... It, it is quite kind of uh, it, it's quite sedate in the way that it that it approaches everything, and, and the way that it says, "Look, here's the, how this happened. Here's how this happened. Here's how this happened." And you kind of do go, "Well, that all feels quite naturalistic. It can't have all fallen into into place like that." But it, you know, that's just how you know life kind of works. Sometimes not everything has a big dramatic crescendo. You know, and the most dramatic crescendo in it is where Mark Ruffalo essentially fucking chews out Michael Keaton. And even that is just a guy who's just pissed off. And he's just taken out on somebody. And then later on, all he does is he turns around and goes, he doesn't say anything to Michael Keaton. Nothing. That, that is just resolved as in Michael Keaton goes, you know what? He was, I see why he was pissed off. I'm still not doing it. And then, you know, you get a curse from him saying, you know, I, I feel bad for for letting it bother me, uh, Rachel McAdams. That's it, done, dealt with, moves on. I, I really liked that about it. Um, but then his, Ruffalo's explanation for why he was pissed off as well, I mean, that's that's fantastic. I mean, it's heartbreaking as well, the whole kind of, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I'm, I am a lapsed Catholic, but I always thought there was a possibility that I'd go back. But now this... It's not that it's killed his faith, it's killed the chance of his faith ever coming back. And, and I mean, in a way, that is more depressing, you know. It is. The, the most horrifying um, sort of image of the entire film is those cue cards at the end. Oh, my God, the list of uh, places where it just keeps on going on and on. Yeah, and it, you keep thinking, well, it's going to stop now. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And you look at and And also... When you work it out, when you extrapolate, you know th- those those numbers um, for um, the percentages that that, that um, Rich Jenkins' voice essentially says um, that they are, uh, where he says it's about is it six percent or something like that, and you look at it and you go six percent, yeah, six percent. They worked out that it's worked out that six percent of Catholic priests have been involved. In some kind of sexual abuse towards children, and that's if you work it out globally, that's an astonishing number of people. That, that is, like, not even six percent of people uh, are paedophiles. So six percent of of Catholic priests are is is incredible. It is just it's the sheer scale of every time they go deeper, it gets worse. And worse and worse. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, one thing that I think is maybe interesting is the fact that it's more the story that has you intrigued than than almost the film itself. But in fairness, but I, I do think it's just because the performances are all you expect all those actors to be good, and they are. You know, um, and the direction. I mean, Tom McCarthy coming to this after the cobbler is bizarre, absolutely mind-boggling. Did you see the cobbler? I can't remember. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, like the fact that his film previous to this, spoiler for the cobbler, that the film previous to this ended up with Steve Buscemi revealing that cobblers are a like centuries-old group of people who uh basically are against what is it like against washing machine repair men or something <laughs> air conditioning repairmen i think repair men and they they have like 
a massive battle with like like ideological battle between the two, and they both like Steve Buscemi's revealed to be Adam Sandler's dad. Yeah, and then they drive off together in a cobbler mobile. <laughs> literally, he takes him downstairs. Dustin Hoffman. Well, yeah, yeah, it's Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, that's it. Steve Buscemi reveals himself to be Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman takes Adam Sandler downstairs. Like, they discover they're part of a secret society. And then down there, there's this r- ride that could only really be called a cobbler mobile. <laughs> so you've got... That's the end of his last film. And then you've got Spotlight. Yep. I, it just... It feels like someone was wearing Tom McCarthy's shoes. Yeah. It was like Frank Karachi, uh, the d- director of The Ridiculous Six, wore Tom McCarthy's shoes, shot the cobbler, and then took the shoes off. Somehow blackmailed Tom McCarthy to keep Stum, and now Tom McCarthy's made Spotlight. Yeah. It's, it's a really strange look, because it's, it's, a, it's a very well-directed film. You know, the acting's fantastic. You know, let's be honest, Keaton is is a is a strong contender for for best supporting for this. Oh my god, yeah, this whole kind of like this is how it starts. Yeah, you like you lean on people, and that like that bit's brilliant. The Ruffalo chewing out Keaton bit is great, just because his character, like his mannerisms and his body language, is just really keen, like observant, but almost autistic. And then you've got him exploding at Keaton, and it's just like no, he's very much knows what's going on around him and whatnot. And it's, you know, he's very aware of what his presence, how his presence affects people. And it just, you know, the, the, the way it all comes out is is great. I mean, like, I, I think he's a strong shout as well. But the thing is, there's no one in this could be a best actor because everybody's supporting each other. Exactly, which is where they'll, they'll, they'll get away with, with certain bits. Too. Apparently, Michael Resendis, uh, Matt Ruffles' character, quite literally... After his, his relationship with his wife broke down, he quite literally just threw himself into into work, and that was apparently he was a workaholic. That's why the relationship with his, his wife broke down. Uh, so when you've got somebody who's a workaholic who, who loses their relationship to it and then decides to throw themselves at their job, you can see how much how much it just kind of absolutely consumes them. Um, I, I, it's a it, it, it's a very touchy subject to kind of take on and it's a very brave subject to take on not only as journalists but as a filmmaker as well um, because nobody wants to get told A, that their religion is wrong which is fine and that's not what this film is doing which is very clearly what it does but also as well most religions are built around morality uh, and about the in essence of the um, in a sort of thing of, of, of goodness and when you hold up to the microscope and you hold up the horribleness of, of, of a religion, that is when everybody else around that religion will will try, will latch onto that and go, well, no, 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 it, it's not that bad and it's not that, and they're just bad. It, 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 it's, it's all that. They don't, they don't condemn the action, they defend the religion before that. And that's where, it's, where these things go wrong. And, you know, to take on, you know, that, I, I, you know, in such a major film like this is is still quite a brave thing to do. And it, it maybe shouldn't be, but it, let's be honest, it is. No, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty bloody taboo subject. And I mean, mm. fair enough. I mean, if we got time as a, a film I watched this week where an awful lot of it 
Father of Say, The Diary of a Teenage Girl, where you're basically a lot of the film you're watching Alexander Skarsgård fucking a 15 year old. And it's just it, like, it's not taboo in that because it's framed from the 15 year old's point of view and like she's finding it hot and all that kind of stuff. And it, it is, I don't know, it's, it, it is, it is troubling watching that stuff on screen. It's not particularly entertaining. I mean, it's not entertaining in the fucking slightest. I'll rephrase, uh, you know, so it is a difficult subject and obviously there's not any a, a detail whatsoever. There's descriptions, but nothing visual. Um, yeah, at least I don't think there is, is there? I haven't blocked any now. No. You know, so I, they do as tasteful a job while still retaining impact as I think it's possible to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, like the, the kind of the, 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 the scenes where, um, Ruffalo's interviewing that, the, the one, uh, survivor as they, as they term them, that, uh, and, and Tucci sitting in on that interview. It's kind of crisscrossing with the, um, Rachel McAdams interviewing the the other guy, and uh, like just the, the 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 things they're describing, they're, they're just they're, they are fucking horrible. I genuinely like like almost universally known as horrible stuff. But unlike the Diary of a Teenage Girl, I didn't. I I I I I felt like there that there was kind of a point to it, I suppose. Whereas I do. With that film, I am slightly concerned about whether there's an element of people wanting to see Alexander Skarsgård fucking anything. Yes. So they maybe linger on it. If it wasn't Alexander Skarsgård, would those sex scenes be as long? Would maybe be a question I'd ask about that film. Whereas here, I think they they got the it, it pretty much spot on. Sorry, I kind of rambled there, but no, 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 exactly. What you mean it, it, it's not it's not trying to revel in the in the the seedier, nastier parts of, of the story. That's basically what I'm trying to say. It's not misery porn. No, absolutely not. It, it's just it's very well acted, unfussy direction, tells its story well, doesn't feel over long. By the end, you are rightfully outraged, but also you don't. You, you also feel like there's hope, I suppose. You know, even though then again, with the kind of dying of print journalism, you know, maybe there's less hope. Like, if this same thing had happened, but in today's age, you know, would the would the investigation have gone far enough? Would the would the paper have been able to budget for that long? Like, say it was the Guardian doing it now, would they literally have the budget to be able to have this team just focus purely on this case? Would the BBC, if it was Newsnight or something like that, I, I wonder now. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was it was happening literally. They managed to do it because um, it was the first kind of big story that um, a new editor took on, and he, he had a little bit of grace coming over from because it was the Globe had been bought up by the Times at this point, and it was the kind of the Times he was there hot shit and was essentially got giving them enough, and he was just saying, "Look, I've got a big story, I've got a big story, I've got a big story," and they were they were essentially the Times was essentially paying for. for for the globe's budget on this, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I don't know. It's um, a very powerful film. Uh, I actually like it more from talking about it, I must say. And uh, definitely not shit. Oh, definitely not shit. No, no, definitely not shit. It's a great film. Cool. Okay, let's move on then. Uh, we're doing well here. Um, 
So, uh, Adam McKay's The Big Short, uh, starring pretty much every male Hollywood actor under the sun at the moment, it feels like. Um, so who have we got here? Christian Bale, Steve Carell, uh, Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt. Um, that's four of them. Yes. There's, there's loads. Riff Spall's in there. Um, uh, Max Greenfield from New Girl turns up in it. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of people, but you've got like cameos as well, like Selena Gomez, Anthony Bourdain, uh, Margot Robbie. Um, you know, in interesting ways. I am fucking fascinated to see what you made of this. Well, I, I think as I've explained before, the, the films about sort of the financial crisis fascinate me. Films about Wall Street fascinate me. Anywhere, you know, the, the ridiculousness of the, that we not only allow, we encourage things like um, like Wall Street and we kind of look at it from afar and go, oh, look at that, look at that wonderful, wonderful world. And when essentially that is a bunch of fucking idiots um, playing with the world's money with, another, with another, another bunch of fucking idiots. And every time any sort of big expose goes into it, you find out more and more and more that these guys don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, and then you get the big short comes out, which is essentially telling an like something, a very different story, but a very serious story. And again, it's directed by Adam McKay, which for people who don't know, which I'm sure most of you do, this is the guy who has brought us Talladega Nights and uh, Step Brothers and Anchorman. And he's directing a film about the financial crisis and about how it happened. And then once you start getting into it, you realise, oh, my God, this is the perfect guy to tell this story. Because he does it in a way that speaks to everybody. Um, I absolutely love The Big Shot. I think it is a, it is a fantastic film and a, a film that kind of looks at it and goes, by the way, this is fucking stupid, what we're about to tell you. It's fucking stupid, but just wait, because you don't have a fucking clue how fucking stupid it actually really is. And we end up with these almost cartoon-like characters that you, that can't possibly be true, except every so often you get Ryan Gosling turning around going, by the way, yes, this did happen. Or you get a couple of bits where they go, you know what, this didn't happen, but it looks cool like this. I love that bit. I love the fact that we get Margot Robbie in a bathtub explaining stuff. Uh, but it works. Donna said, where's the shirtless guy explaining fiscal responsibility to me in this film? Which is a fair point. Is it? Sorry? Why? Why, why do I get that? No, no. Why, why isn't there one? To kind of balance the Margot Robbie. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get that, you know. Why? I still, I don't, I don't get the, the, the I don't get why. I, 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 I'm, yeah. missing, I'm missing the, I'm, I'm, I'm missing the point. <laughs> you've got Lee, you got eye candy for the men. Oh, <laughs> right, I get it, I get it, I get what you mean now. Yeah, I, 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 I yeah, I get what you mean now. <laughs> I, didn't, what, I didn't get it. Why isn't there somebody with their shirt, like some, like, I don't know, like, uh, the guy from Magic Mike XXL who does the uh, dance in the, uh, in the convenience store? Why isn't he there explaining some stuff at some point? I, I don't know. You know, but you see what you get my point though, yeah. I I, I get the point. I just don't. I don't. I don't. I, I, I personally, yeah, you know, I'm, I'll get. Well, you're a guy, so why would you? But I just don't. I don't it don't kind of. I don't know. Don't. It, don't, it didn't bother me. 
<laughs> I think it's unfair to the ladies. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I just, I, it, it seems a, a strange quibble I have. Well, no, I mean, like, I, I, I'm not going to go I'm not going to go I'm just saying, I, it, it does feel like a bit of a strange quibble I have. It was said, in, I mean, it was, it was somewhat said in jest, but, you know, why is that a strange quibble to have? I, I, I just, I, just, I personally, I, just, I, I, just, I don't, I, I, I don't see. She's not, she's, she's in a battle. There's pretty much more fucking. There's more covering her than in any any other scene of the guys. Oh, I see. Okay, fair enough. When you, when she's you not, put, she's not shirtless, is she, or in a bikini? If she's in a bikini, fair enough. But she's not. She's completely covered. It's just, it's an amusing thing. The fact that she's in a bathtub doing it, I think, more than that. Okay, all right, no, fair enough. I take that on board. Fair enough. I'm gonna see what Donna says after we're finished. No, it's not. It, it, it seems like a strange quibble to have. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Where were we? Sorry. Um, well, I was saying that, that, that I, I I enjoyed those kind of little bits, those explanation bits for it. They they kind of brought a, a, an amount of sort of levity towards it and kind of said, look, you, you don't understand this. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna explain it in the ridic- most ridiculous way we can think of to explain it, but that actually explains it. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, um, I, I, I was very fond of this as well. I mean, it's interesting. Like, I, I was thinking about Birdman and how that film feels like it's a bollocking for two hours. And I really like Birdman. It was in my top ten last year. But it's fair to say that Inaritu doesn't feel like he's one of the people who needs the bollocking. Yeah. Uh, here. It feels to me like Adam McKay is essentially saying, look, everybody was guilty of turning a blind eye to this. We're all at fault here. Isn't this fucking mental? How can we stop this from happening again? And the answer is we can't. No, we can't. That, that, that is the thing. It's, it, it's it, you know, even the fact that you've got the, the, the heroes of the story essentially are looking at it going, this is going to crash everything. This is going to crash the, you know, the world market. We know it's going to happen. And the majority of them are going, right, we know it's going to happen. So how can we get richer off it? And then that is always, that's how they start off and they get further in and realise, no, it's going to happen. And then it, it doesn't, the only time it actually happens with one of them is where Brad Pitt essentially turns around to them and says, you know, this is, you know, these are people's homes. You know, and he isn't really getting rich off it. He's just helping two kids get rich off it. But there's still no real explanation as to to why, other than the fact that he just kind of quite likes them. That's it. Um, Gosling has no shame in it at all. His character is essentially, look, yeah, do I feel bad? Yeah. But staring at this big check stops me from feeling bad. Um Perfect casting, actually. But yeah, it is. It, it, and, you know, in Steve Carell's character, you know, his was very much, you know, he's the one, he's the one character. And, you know, the guy is actually based on was actually going around essentially telling people, you're killing everybody. You're killing the entire, what is it? And, you know, that realisation where he sat talking to, uh, what's his name? Um, the guy that he talks to in the restaurant, where... You have got to say, you know, um, he's just realised now that it's going to crash the entire economy. And it, it's just how he works out and he sits there. And Corell's very good in very good in this, uh, in amongst a lot of other very, very good actors. 
Yeah, no, I mean the the, the kind of the righteous anger of of Carell, it it if it if it was played by a different actor, it might have been a lot more one note. Mm. But the kind of the the rage, but also the determination out of that rage, they're not just like kind of like in a corner, just like bitching about stuff and not doing anything. The fact that he's very proactive in this film, yeah, really, really. Really helps, um, and that I mean, again, you've got that whole hip, that, like hypocrite kind of thing. I mean, it's, weirdly, it kind of mirrors Spotlight in a way, where they're like, "Well, you're criticizing all this stuff. Why aren't you doing anything to stop it? Or like, why are you seeking to profit out of this if you're so enraged by the fact that you know you're making money off of this? Almost, um, it, it, it's kind of a weird mirror there. But I mean, that like that scene where they go to—is it? Uh, stand, uh, standards and poor the credit agency. Yeah, and she's just like, oh, oh god, who was the lady? Oh, it was um, Melissa Leo. Yeah, Melissa Leo. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, yeah. The fact that she's because I never knew this. The fact that she was saying, look, if we don't give them a good credit rating, they'll just go down to Moody's down the road and get one off them. That is mental. Oh, is it? It, it was. I mean, the the insanity of, of how. Um of how these things were happening and how the fact is that you've got certain people um, like, I mean, like uh, Michael Burry. Um, I mean, he's mentioned, I think, in... Um, shit, what's that? What's the documentary called? Um, documentary about the financial crisis that, that was out a couple of years ago. Um, that Matt Damon did the... Um, what is oh, it for? Jesus. Shit. You know which one I'm talking about, don't you? Mm. Won the Oscar. Um, I'm gonna have to get the fucking. Um, I'm gonna have to fucking find out now uh, what it's called. Oh, I keep gonna bug the shit out. Inside job. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, he's he's mentioning. I think he's mentioning in inside job at the fact that you know he started people realizing. Hang on a minute, and inadvertently um, started people betting against them. You know, the, its own self, and that's what fucked everything. Um, but it is, or, or it is sort of saying, look, these guys, these, you know, like a minute ago, these guys are the heroes, and even they were consumed by the greed behind it all, and they knew how bad things were going to get. It's just they knew the richer they were, the less it mattered to them. Yeah, I mean, then again, I mean, I think Steve Carell's an exception there. I mean, you got that scene at the end where, like, he he doesn't want them to like cash out and take the money. And they're they're all they're all basically and the guy's just saying, look, you know, this is what we were here for. This is the whole point of it. Well, he said that he, the only reason why he did that, why you know the actual real guy said the reason why he did it was because they literally said, look, you don't need this money. We all do. Yeah, I mean, to be in all fairness, they went along with him when nobody else thought he was right, really. You know, but they went with him anyway. So just from a like a, a, a chivalry of, you know, you've made this money, let your co-workers have it because they stuck, they stuck with you through thick or thin. I almost thought, yeah, all right, fair enough, let them have the money. You know, it's their morality that they're going to have to, they're going to have to think about. You know, um, but I mean, we, we haven't really said anything about Christian Bale, and I suppose it's because he's a surprisingly small part of the film. Yeah. It- is, he, he's kind of he, he's he's almost like a wrap um, around it. He's the thing that kind of sets everything going. Um, 
and then is the one who's kind of stood watching everything sort of unfurl. Yeah, I mean, that's, he's, he's very heavily in it for like the first 20 minutes or so, and then he just pops up for a couple of scenes, doesn't he? And um, I, yeah, I mean, that that's it. Just the, and, and you've got that whole thing through the film of him like doing the, how much the, the company's worth mm. and the minus minus, and then suddenly it's like 500%. Yes. And, and you know, I mean, that, I, I, it just, again, it's almost monopoly money. It's, it, you can't get your head around like how much the, like how much the economy lost and how much these guys made. Oh, yeah. Off the back of it. Yeah, that, that, that's it. The, you know, the fact that he writes a check to his, to his, his boss, essentially, for $489 million. Yeah. You know, that was his cut of, of, of this, this investment that he made essentially with with other people's money. So I mean, that was his profitable cut. You know, that it, it's it was insane how much that fund made um, in that amount of time. It was it was like I think it was, it was just shy of five billion in in almost overnight. It went from it went from the fund was worth less, you know, under what it was what was in it to being worth. Four and a bit times the, the what I think the four times the amount it was actually in it, nearly five times, which I think was oh, just I think it was just under just under five billion it made, which is staggering. I, I, I mean, but I mean, again, I mean, I, well, unlike with Spotlight, the filmmaking is showy as fuck. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, if I, I, I if I have one complaint, it's that. Sometimes the film tries to go documentary real when it's kind of like the camera's handheld and it's zooming in and out and like zooming in and like kind of like the focus isn't there and it goes into focus and then out again. And then sometimes it's these like quite imaginative, like these very imaginative cutaways to explaining things with Anthony Bourdain and, Sel- and, and like Selena Gomez and that professor and whatnot. And it's like, I kind of wish the film maintained like a style throughout the whole thing instead of just like right what do you want to be do you want to be this absurdist retelling of a real world thing or do you want to be more documentary real and that it genuinely I, I i was a bit like adam mckay just put the camera down for a second or have the camera moving all the fucking time <laughs> one or the other yeah, it, it, I can see why, but it, personally, it, it didn't didn't bother me. I thought it was quite jarring at first because you're not expecting, I think, it to be shot like that. You expect it to be shot very not standard, I suppose, but you know, you're not expecting any of that documentary sort of styling to what come into it. And then it, once it is there, you're like, oh, all right. And then it just throw itself in between it. But I, it, it didn't. It, it neither bothered me or impressed me, is what I'd say. I, I would just, I like. There's a manic energy to a lot of the film, but it kind of it feels like yeah, the camera's moving and focusing in and out, but it's not quite. It, it seems like it's trying to be more grounded in those moments, and I'm just like, it it took me out of it appreciably enough for me to bring it up. Yeah, no, I say I say it didn't didn't get to me, but I can I can see why it would grate on other people because that that type of filmmaking can can kind of get a little bit. Um, irritating sometimes no i don't know i just i did i don't it felt like i i don't know it just felt weirdly toned it's just like you'd have quite quiet just like darting about zooming in and out one second and then margot robbie in a bathtub the next i it just 
it, it, I don't know. It bothered me, but anyway, it's it is a small complaint, but it, it but it is it is one. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It's just the the, the thing is, I mean, like Adam McKay's kind of got form in this because the other guys, yeah, the end of that and the general through the film, like what Steve Coogan's doing and the kind of stuff he comes out with, it is there's a there is a righteous anger there, but you've got it coupled with a gator's bitch is better be wearing jimmies so it it kind of it kind of feels incongruous and i i i i don't know like just putting that little lesson in the end credits i appreciated the the kind of the effort but then you've got something like the big short where you know he's full bore doing this and finding ridiculousness through the scenario and you know through the 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 mass consumption i mean like the, the beginning of the film there's a lot of cutaways like music videos and commercials and things like that as well um, i must say i'm glad they stopped that because that was a little bit i get the point yeah. um, but but yeah like, I, I don't know it, this feels like a more complete expression of what he was trying to say with the other guys yeah well the, the, the amazing thing is the studio let him pursue this movie and, and basically said yeah all right we'll we'll give you um i think 30 million i think it was to make it we'll give you 30 million to go off and make your uh financial crisis movie if you make anchorman 2 and so he, he agreed to that and then he, he comes back with his little financial crisis movie that happens to be um co-produced by plan b um brad pitt's production company and starring Christian Bale, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling and Brad Pitt. You know, it, it's, a, it's a heck of a fucking card to deck to play, really, that. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I mean, I, I it's going to be interesting to see how well this does as well, because I, I, I don't know, I think it might make, it might get closer to Anchorman 2 than they, they, were, they would initially think it would, given the subject matter, but it's done in such a kind of a vital and a compelling and a, you know, Anger-inducing, but you know, not in a vitriolic way, just in a common sense. Look at this shit, kind of way. That um, I, I, I don't know. It's it's an end. It's an entertaining bollocking, as I think Birdman was. But it does feel like it's di- directed by someone who I like in a Ritu. In what are these fil- most of his films? But someone less up his own arse than in a Ritu. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's exactly it. You know, Adam, you know, Adam McKay doesn't take himself seriously. You know, the fact that he's done this movie in the way he's done it shows that it, he's he's telling us what I liked about it was he's not trying to tell a story, a serious story, out of the ideas that he's got. You know, he, he still wants to make it funny and he still wants to make it relatable and easy to watch, and, and that's what you get. The way that you're going to get the. The audience that he wants for this film are the people who don't know anything about this. And the way to get that audience is to cast Brad Pitt, Ryan Gosling, Steve Carell, Christian Bale, and keep the tone relative, especially for what it's saying, relatively light. Well, I read a thing with, um, I was just reading about this afterwards, um, about um, Greg Lippman was asked um, in a, a, what is it, to start giving his comments on the film. Um, and I asked if he'd seen it yet, and he said he had. Um, Greg Lippmann's the uh, coach Brian Gosling plays, plays in it, uh, and he said, you know, you know, he said it, 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 it's 
it's scary how much um, Gosling actually nails down how much of an arsehole I am. He said, but I'm a nice guy, but I, I accept the fact that I might come across to other people as being an arsehole. Apparently, like, stuff like the, the constant chastising of his assistant. Do you know the guy who plays his assistant in it? It wasn't actually his assistant. It, it was just somebody from his office that he essentially told on his first day of working there that he worked for him. And he didn't. <laughs> Gosling just started running around. The real guy started running around doing all of his shit. Um, and whenever any sort of like review came up about what he'd actually done and why he wasn't doing the numbers, he'd go, no, 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 no. I'm doing all of his work for him because he does all of my running around. And yeah. the ridiculousness of it that is, they went, fuck it, fine. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was just a guy who essentially was on the same level as him that he would quite literally just be shitty to and would tell to midway through talking would go, shut now because you're boring everyone. And if people would say, oh, he's not boring me, they'd go, okay, he's boring me. Right. <laughs> and that was it. But Gosling goes for it in this movie as well, which is, is, is wonderful to see. It's, it's, you know, he's had that little couple of years break. But he is a nice character to have, personality to have back around filming, to be honest. Absolutely. Hello? Sorry, it was like we're done with that. Yes, I've lost you a little bit there. You're still there, but very quiet. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, you sure? Yep, just. Oh. Alright, hang on. There you go, you're back again. Oh, fair enough. Okay, so definitely not shit. Definitely not shit. Uh, will be troubling my top ten, absolutely. Yeah, probably won't be. Well, maybe, maybe. We'll see. Uh, we'll find out on next week's show. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, shit, okay. I've still got about 20 minutes, so... Yeah, what what have you? What else have you been watching? Um, oh, it's kind of like something coming. Um, I what have I watched? Um, I rewatched Clerks two the other day because it happened to start on Sky um, Movies before I was, I was actually going to go to bed. Um, the other night, I think it was on December twenty seventh, something like that, um, and it, it was. It, it, it sort of just started, and I was sitting back, so I will um, finish these drinks and go to bed, flicked Clerks 2 on, just in credits. I ended up watching it, 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 it all. Um, and actually, I, I'm one of the few people out there that, that actually generally really fucking loves Clerks 2. Uh, it still makes me very excited for Clerks 3. So again, I'm one of the like five or six people in the world that's looking forward to Clerks 3. Um, I also watched Men at Work, because uh, I couldn't find anything. I wanted to watch something that was... 90 minutes, um, and I had to go on Netflix because I was watching it upstairs, um, and I can only get Netflix UK on the Apple TV box at the moment, um, and it came up and I thought, Do you know what, it, that's 90 minutes, I've seen it before, it's entertaining, it'll, it'll kill that 90 minutes. Have you ever seen Men at Work? Uh, I can't say I have, but... The Emilio Estevez written and directed film starring Charlie Sheen, uh, Keith David. I have not. Right. It is about... Uh, I mean, Estevez and Chai Sheen play uh, best friends who happen to be uh, garbage men um, that uh, work in the... I think it's a fictional uh, city of uh, Las Playas, which essentially is supposed to be like L.A. Um, they have dreams of becoming um, surf shop owners and they treat their job with utter contempt um, because of this uh, until uh, they find a body... Uh, in one of the in, in one of the uh, garbage uh, cans on their route, 
Um, and they're kind of possibly linked to uh, how the guy died. Um, it's a it's a really strange movie that contains Keith David playing a, a, a war vet who is supposed to be there to kind of look after them, uh, them uh, out of charge in Emilio Estevez, and to kind of supervise them to see if they're taking work seriously or not, to see if they'll keep their jobs. Um, uh, but the minute everything starts to go wrong, it starts to come out that he hates cops. Um, and so does things like kidnaps um, a pizza guy because he thinks that he knows too much. Um he keeps on beating up police officers and uh, then tying them up in sexually um, risque positions, etc. And it's kind of like, it's like, um, I mean, the rest of us has taken a lot from sort of Repo Man and, and sort of thrown it towards this, which I think was actually his directorial debut. I think it was the, his first movie. Uh, that he, yeah, well, no, sorry, it was his, it was his, it was his second. Uh, Wisdom was his first. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a really, really strange, strange movie. Um, but there is sort of ninety minutes, so it, it gets its shit in, gets it done, and gets gets out pretty quickly. Nice. Uh, go on, give it, give me, give, give us a few yards while I try and remember what else I've watched since last uh, time we recorded. So um, I finished watching The Walk, which I briefly uh, touched on last week. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to punch Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character throughout. Um, he just annoyed the shit out of me. But it is fair to say that when he gets on that wire, it is pretty, um, pretty intense. Um, like the stuff he's talking about is all complete bobbins. But um, yeah, uh, they, I don't know, they did very well. I think if I watched it in 3D, I would have thrown up. Um, and uh, they skillfully get around the fact that the real life guy, like, just nailed some random woman after when his, like, long-term girlfriend had, like, helped him actually pull it off and all that kind of stuff. It's funny, actually. It's, like, through the film, they're, like, very much in love. And then at the end, it's just, like... But in the end, she... uh, I I just stayed in New York, and she left. And then it's, like, it cuts to, like, uh, her, like, coming out of the house and getting in a taxi and just being, like... He's, like... Please stay. And she's like, I cannot. My life is in Paris and yours is here. And it's not like, why cannot you fucked that girl straight after you did the walk, you prick? You know, they, 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 they can't. It's weird that they even brought up the fact that she left him. Like, I, I don't know. It's it, it just doesn't really make any sense for the film. Um, and the way they do it, it's not real either. So it's like, what's the point? But um, I mean, whatever. It's like two hours long. It is long. Um, that and, that's why I've not got round to it yet. Yeah, I, it, it's. I don't know. It just you'll, you 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 will want to punch him, but it, it like you will. <laughs> uh, so hey, um, but I also watched Brooklyn. Um, so this is the one with the boring trailer that you were not looking forward to. Yeah. So you 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 said you quite like this. Is it? Have you watched the trailer yet? No. I would watch the trailer just just to start to see because the trailer really 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 does make it look dull as fuck. But I'll, but everybody seems to say it's, it's not. It's really quite brilliant. No, it's great. Uh, well, I mean, it's, well, not well. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, it, I mean, screenplay written by Nick Hornby, adapted for, uh, from a book. I, can't remember who it was written by, but it's not Nick Hornby. He doesn't adapt his own screenplays. 
or at least after fever pitch. But um, yeah, no, it's basically Saoirse Ronan's a girl who um, uh, a trip by lo- the local kind of church is um, is kind of paid for for her to get out of the uh, of small town Ireland or small village Ireland and over to New, New York where she's going to start a new life, essentially. Um, she goes over there. She falls for a, a, a guy played by Emery Cohen, who was um, the only thing I think I really recognise him from before is um, he's Bradley Cooper's son in The Place Beyond the Pines. Oh, yes. Um, and he, he very, very different here. But um, and then something happens and she's called back to Ireland and she meets another guy played by Donald Gleeson. She goes back there and like basically her experience living in New York and being independent kind of changed her. So she finds life in, in the village being a lot kinder to her than before she left. So she's kind of faced with a, where, where do I go? Where does my heart actually belong? Kind of, thing uh but it's very very warm-hearted ronan is great i can see why she's getting some best actress buzz uh this year because she's she's very very good uh the guys maybe a bit two-dimensional there's not really any flaws to them um and it's but the, the 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 struggle is more to do with the place and the atmosphere of the places than it is, than it is the men in a way. Um, frankly, I mean like the struggle between the two men, I, I knew who I was siding with very early on and kind of stuck with, with that. Um, but it makes Ireland feel or it, like any small town that someone goes back to. It's like reassuring and familiar, but also, like the tug of coming back and like people within the town trying to manipulate you into wanting to come back home. Uh, and like the, the, the kind of the, 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 the pull you feel towards them almost through guilt as much as anything else. Um, it's, it's very, very well done. And I was internally screaming about which way I wanted her character to go. And I won't say what happened at the end. But like the fact that it got me that much involved is testament to the skill of the film. It's it's very it's very 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 good. Um, but like I say, the guys are a bit two dimensional, and that was slightly off putting. But it's very good. Oh, um, I will be catching it. I will watch it at some point. It's 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 worth it, I'd say. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I touched on it before, but Di- the Diary of a Teenage Girl, which was a big indie one that I've seen people commenting, asking like why it hasn't had more attention and why it didn't do very well at the box office. And I I would say it's probably because I I don't think people go to the cinema to see a girl have a coming of age tale, which is fine, but also get nailed like in a statutory rape way by Alexander Skarsgård again and again and again and again uh, over the course of uh, 90 minutes or so. Um, the, the the main girl, uh, Belle, oh Christ, Belle Formby, I think her name is. Um, she's very, very good in it. Um, a Brit, but you would never tell from the accent. Um, and uh, I mean, Alexander Skarsgård, decent. Kristen Wiig uh, as her mum, decent. Um, but it's basically she learns that she really likes sex and uh, you know it's like why does she like sex so much and it's like it's her talking into like into a 
a, a tape recorder recording her diary quite a lot and writing letters to a comic book artist she really likes and like talking about herself and her wants and her desires and whatnot and by the end of it i didn't really learn anything about her other than she liked sex particularly with an older man and uh it's it, it's I don't know. It's been getting a lot of praise, and I'm a li- I'm a little bit. I don't quite see where all the fuss is particularly coming from, apart from the fact that it's from it's a viewpoint and subject matter within that viewpoint that's not done on screen an awful lot. Um, but it, I I read something interesting where like it would have been interesting to see the amount of shit that a male writer director would have got if they had put this up on screen. But because it's a female writer director, it's seen as incisive and, uh, and like thought provoking and whatnot. Whereas if it was a blow, it's the double standards of, of how people view men and women in cinema at the moment. I kind of think so, to be honest. Um, I know it's yeah. something that, that a lot of people don't like to, don't like to fucking, tackle i suppose it is because if, if you're coming at it from from a, a certain angle you know you can get criticized easier it seems to be easier to criticize but yeah i can see what you mean it's I, i've it's one that i'm i, I look at it and go I, it seems like the sort of film that wind me up more than enjoy, i'd enjoy it it did, it did. It kind of did from the outside for me as well. But I'd heard a lot. Of, I'd heard a lot about it, and I thought I I will give it a go. But you know, being the father of a two year old daughter, just not like seeing that kind of stuff wasn't a particularly enjoyable time, frankly. And I don't think that the drama around it was satisfying enough to particularly justify it, at least for me. I can certainly see that it is a it is a viewpoint that is not told very often and it's you know Mario Heller Mario Mario Heller, I think the writer director name yeah. is, uh, director's name is. I like good on earth for actually tackling this and, and like making a film of, of it. But I've gotta say the way Yeah it is, yeah. The way the sex was portrayed, I did. And again, I find myself saying quite a conservative thing here, but I found it quite distasteful. And again, I do wonder. Is that in, in, in the terms, was it quite graphic or quite frequent? It's it's pretty frequent and it, it, it goes on a while as well. A bit leery then. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it is. And it does... The thing is, it's 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 difficult because I can see it from a point of view that in if, if if because it's from this girl's point of view, you know, and it's like this hot older guy is is doing her, and from a fifteen year old girl's point of view, like maybe I you know I could see how like why they would depict it like that, but I'm a thirty one year old father, so it, it's it's not it's not for me. And I, as I say, obviously we'll never find out. But if it was a male writer director, I think you would have had a lot of people praising this film, giving it a lot of shit. I'll just end it there. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, yeah, that's me done. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else I've watched. I think oh, I watched the Lazarus Effect again. 
needed a under ninety minutes movie. Uh, Becky wanted to watch horror. Pumps. Isn't it like 70, 80 minutes? Isn't it really, really it, short? It's really short, yeah. It's, but it is, it is either just over 80 or about 70 odd minutes, yeah. Uh, it's on West Netflix, I believe, at the moment. Um, stars Mark Duplass, uh, Olivia Cockburn, um, Follow Glover, uh, Evan Peters, and Sarah Bolger. Um, and essentially, it's the it's that thing of you get young scientists uh, and what they're trying to do is uh, they've invented this serum called the Lazarus serum. And they're essentially trying to bring things back to life uh, is the essential of that. Um, and sort of things happen and transpire and um, one of the characters ends up being killed. And so guess what happens? Guess where she's killed? In the lab. So they try and bring her back to life and things don't exactly go to, to plan. Um, it, the, the thing that, that put me off watching this, because uh, it's got a decent, you know, a decent cast because it, it literally is the majority of it is, is those sort of five uh, characters in a lab. That is the majority of the film. Um, I prickle nowadays at, at, at modern horror because there's so much crap out there. Um, but, this is a fun kind of throwaway, you know, 80 minutes. If it was two, if it was an hour and a half, sorry, if it was like anything more than 100 minutes, it would be too long, but it's not. It, it goes in, gets its shit done, and gets the fuck out, and he's entertaining enough while it's doing it. It suffers a little bit from the, the third act, but majority of horror kind of does tend to, to let you down a little bit in that. Uh, but... The acting is um, very good. You know, all the characters work quite well at what they're doing. There's a couple of moments where you go, eh, really? But for the majority of it, it it's really, really quite entertaining, actually. Uh, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Real Wise turns up for literally a minute and then leaves and then he's never seen again. <laughs> nice. Uh, but he, he's great when he comes in and do what he does. He, 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 I think... Maybe even a minute might be too generous, but he comes in and plays a shit heel, um, but plays it brilliantly because he just smiles the entire time. Uh, Evan Peters, he's, he's very good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Donald Glover, an actor who usually drives me fucking mad, is uh, is perfectly okay. Isn't it? He, you know, he's not bad. He's, he's actually. He verges on being quite good in it at points. Um, Olivia Wilde and, and Matt Dioplis are quite uh, entertaining as well. Ace. All right, that actually sounds like something I might it is. want. It's a Bloom House one as well. Sorry? It's a Bloom House. Oh, well, you know, I'm always going to love it then. Um, did Duplass have anything to do with uh, producing on this then, did he? Or? Uh, I don't think he does on this, no. I think it's... Oh, no, no he doesn't. It, it's not, no. It's a... He's just a, an act of hire on this one, I think. Um, but it kind of got, it, it kind of been sort of panned a lot, and I, I, I can't kind of understand why. Because yeah, it's not, it's not magnificent, but it, it's, it, it's perfectly watchable in the, in the sense of the fact that it's a modern horror film, uh, directed by uh, David uh, Gelb, who did uh, Joe Dreams of Sushi. Oh, bloody hell! Yeah, which is strange, uh, and he did the the Chef's Table series um, on. Netflix as well. Oh yes, yeah. He, he did that. Uh, I think he's also got a, a documentary out. Um, well, this year now because it hasn't been out. So uh, he's got a documentary out this year uh, about the Mustang. Uh, and 
it's not a magnificently directed movie, is what I'll say. It, it does seem a little bit like he's made it and gone, right, I've tried my hand at making an actual feature film and it didn't work, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go back to directing documentaries because I'm actually quite good at that. So. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, but it, it's, it's entertaining enough. It looks good. H, all right, I, I actually will give that a go. I'll give it a go, yeah. It, it's, I say, it, it's a very 7 out of 10 film. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, no, that sounds all right to me. Like, 80-odd minutes, I'll take that. Yep. Um, and I've, I've just read here, um, Vilmos Sigmund died. Yeah, I, I, I just saw it, what, sort of 10 minutes ago, yeah. Shit. Um, I mean, he, he must have been in his 80s now. Uh, 1930, he was born, yeah. So, yeah, 85, then he'll be, yeah. But, fuck, man, he, da- he fucking shot some... Actually, he shot some fucking great-looking movies. Fucking blowout, dudes. Like... Oh, yeah, of course, he blowout, didn't he? Heaven's Gate, um, Deliverance. Close Encounters. Actually, oh, of course, he did. Deer Hunter. Uh, yeah, Sliver. No, mm, we'll ignore that one. <laughs> uh, uh, Jersey Girl. That's right, he did do Jersey Girl. He did shit. do Jersey Girl. Um, he shot Maverick. Maverick's, you know, yeah, it's not, you know, of the calibre of a film, like, for instance, Deliverance or Blowout, things like that, but Maverick's a fucking good-looking movie. Man, that's... Oh, shit, rest in peace. That's Yeah, it's a fucking... It's a shame. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, fuck it, you got to 85. Yeah, I'd be perfectly content with that. I would be very content with 85. I think he, I don't think he did anything for a few years. Uh, but, you know, fair enough. Fuck. Well, rest in peace, buddy. Oh. Yeah. Uh, right, well, that's our tribute to him done. Um, Okie dokie. We do actually have a couple of qu- Twitter questions. Right. To oh, up. nice. I, I uh, to catch up on, anyway. Yeah. Um, so, apologies for not answering these. Glenn Chapman, describe your vision for the first billion-dollar movie directed by Michael Bay. This will happen. <laughs> the first movie to, to, to cost a billion dollars. Um, I'm assuming so, yeah. Yeah, um, they will actually blow up a city. An actual city. That would be interesting. Yeah. The actual city, and the people, the people who are in it will be actual people. Uh, who will have wanted to sign a disclaimer, a little bit like, I don't know, like when people do like a game of death kind of thing. So it'll be a bunch of fucking people who want money for their families um, and are happy to die for it. It'll be that. They'll do it in Detroit and just be like, look, if we blow up Detroit, we will give you $750 million yeah. in a rebuild. Yeah, that's, that's what it'll be. Yeah, that's what'll happen. And Michael Bay will direct it. Yeah. And it, 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 it will just be an explosion for three hours from different angles. And at, and at the end of it, will just be will just be a close-up of Michael Bay smiling. Yeah. That would be good. No, it wouldn't. It'd be horrible. <laughs> It'd be horrible, but, <laughs> but, but let's be honest, it'd still rake in a fucking billion at the box office. It probably so. would. It probably would. Um... TGP73, would you rather travel by air, sea, or land? I will add that, well, well, um, I'm terrified of boats, so there you go. It depends. Um, I don't mind aeroplanes, but I hate airports, so um, there's that. So, yeah, it, it, would, be, it would be land. Um, 
Me and you have had a few, a, 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 very, a very amusing journey, didn't we, once? <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, literally, <laughs> I would guarantee you, if you wanted to do a fucking, if you, if you want to replace the Christmas specials of, of, of Top Gear, and you want that, just have me and Ian travelling somewhere for, like, uh, like uh, we've got to get from, not even, like, a far away place to somewhere else, because I get angry and aggressive in airports, I get confused in um, in train stations, and and we were both terrified driving around Wales in your car. Fuck's sake, man! Like it was like we were driving around a cliff or something, weren't we? Pretty <laughs> much screaming. <laughs> that was fucking horrible. And, oh god, that was the journey where after I dropped you off, I hit a park bridge, and it took part of the car off. Yeah, that was that was that was that journey. Yeah. Oh man. Right, that Jesus Christ! It should have been North Wales to South Wales, and should have taken me three hours. It was actually North Wales to South Wales via Shrewsbury. Yep. Which I I will never let Mark forget this. He won't. No. Mark said would only take about an hour, hour and a half out of my trip. Perhaps. And it bloody took me about seven hours to get home that day. I genuinely do feel bad about that. <laughs> Still it, to this day. That was mental. And the only stops I had were dropping you off at the train station. And I bought a Ginster's pasty. And I had maybe a five minute break. And this was after Mike's bloody stag night as well. Yeah. Where I was not right at all. Yeah, you'd have two days solid, like solid drinking. Yeah, there was there was there was a moment where where during that weekend at one point I went for a shower, and Ian came in to have a dump in the bathroom while I was in the shower, and we had a conversation of me in the shower and you taking a dump. I don't remember that at all. You were hammered. <laughs> oh man, that was amusing. <laughs> That was ridiculous. I can't believe we, like that was supposed to be a free night. I just I gave up after two. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> that was bad. That was really bad. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, no, that was. I still remember us screaming, driving <laughs> like cliff face. Like just, it was very bendy. I remember it being it's very, very bendy. bendy. It's so high. I, I think I lost control of the car at one point as well. I seem to remember I skidded and I shit myself. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that was episode 141 of Dude and the Monkey. I never <laughs> want to think about that again. Um, <laughs> next week. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, next week. Bloody hell. Um, we're we're going to be recording this together. I think we're going to be reviewing the Hateful Eight Super Panavision 70mm. Yep. Um, and we're going to be doing our like review of the year show. Um. I think we might have people kind of, hopefully guests kind of dropping in and out. Yes. As in when we're recording in various pubs. Which, which probably will be the plan, yeah. That is the idea, isn't it? Yeah, so it, that that should be interesting. I'm not going to say, I mean, like, I don't want to put anybody on the spot by saying who's like who we've been talking to, but there's a few people who seem up for it anyway. Um, so, yeah, it should be a good time. It's probably going to be really long. Um, and I'll, what I'll probably do, I'll probably record it on Saturday and then like on the, the coach home on Sunday, I'll probably just edit quite a lot of it then. 
Uh, I'll, I'll edit it. I'm not going to ask you to. It'll give me something to do on the coach. Uh, um, How long is your coach journey? Like three and a half hours. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm trained. Caddo coach. Oh, £17 return, mate. It was like, fine, whatever. It was going to cost me at least 70 17 Mine's 78 Yeah, there you go. I win. Yeah, you go on that. Um, but yeah, so it's it's going to be a long one. Because uh, there's probably going to be tangents and all sorts, and <laughs> I mean, in the end of the day, we—I mean, like—we'll probably just end up back in our home to- hotel room, just kind of chatting shit and recording it anyway. Probably, yeah. So you know, yeah, exactly. So uh, should be should be a laugh, but if you're not a fan of drunken dude and a monkey, you're probably not going to have a good time with Nate's weeks. Yes. Uh, but if you are a fan, it might be the best episode ever. <laughs> So we'll we'll see. I'd imagine Hateful Eight should be pretty sober because yeah, because I won't be drinking before it. Yeah, no, neither will I. So we should be all right for that. But I think review of the year stuff might be a bit different. But you know, we'll see. But uh, yeah, at Ian Loring, at Dude Foz, at Dude the Monkey, Dude the Monkey at Gmail dot com. Anything to finish up on, Matt? No, no, no. That's that's it. Literally just you know, looking forward to, to next week's recording. It should be fun. As am I, should be a laugh. And uh, my um, standard issue, need a pee, has... uh, has (laughs) I'm going to say goodnight. Thank you very much, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.